Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Brian. And this is our review of A Nightmare on Elm Street, starring Kyle Gallner, Rooney Mara, Katie Cassidy, Thomas Decker, Kellen Lutz, Clancy Brown, Connie Britton, and Jackie Earl Haley. Directed by Samuel Bayer, released in 2010 on a budget of $35 billion, the remake grossed 115 plus at the box office. So, man, I mean, it's 2010, Brian, here. We've got Platinum Dunes all over this thing, New Line, Remake City. I mean, this movie w was so anticipated in the horror community. I mean, I remember people talking about it constantly, you know, how, what's it going to be like? Jack and Earl Haley is the Freddy character. I, you know, it, there was a lot of buzz online about it. And I read one little neat point here, and I don't like to, we don't like to read a lot of trivia on here, but I just, I think this is salient for the discussion we're about to have. There were about 15 different drafts of this script, and this film is a hybrid of four of them. And I think you can feel that watching it, because there are distinct breaks between what one idea was and when another one came in and generally that's not a good sign <laughs> i do want to say and point out that this is the highest grossing freddy film theater box office wise of all of them yeah if you don't count the freddy versus jason then yeah this is the the we biggest one that. so well i'm gonna argue that we will later but you know what though in percentage wise, is it because that first one was made well, for like a million not. eight? Yeah, so. But it, 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 it and why I I could honestly say that this may have been considered a flop <laughs> in today's standards. Yeah, I mean, the, we talked about on the I think it was the part six or the part seven show. We talked about how these numbers just didn't seem like that big of a deal, and I think we've gotten used to inflated box office numbers mm -hmm. i mean that's you know, like a every, weekend now right yeah i know like if you if you know the budget for this is 35 million that seems kind of paltry actually but for a horror movie i mean that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good i, I don't you know we've we've done a lot of these horror remakes and stuff and they vary in what they cost i mean there's there's definitely some some challenges there i mean the 2009 Friday the 13th was made for $19 million, you know, which is a lot of money for a Friday the 13th movie. And if people have, you know, we'll get to listen to that review. They've, they've heard us talk about how on earth did that, you know, cause that much to make because it wasn't that you know, <laughs> <Impressive>. outlandish. <laughs> well, I don't want to say the word impressive, but it wasn't that, that outlandish. I mean, the 2007 Halloween that you and I reviewed was made for $15 million. So $35 million is a lot of money for one of these things, I think. And I think this one, a lot of its budget is spent on the CGI effects that exist in the film. I guess we're going to have to talk about how good or not good those are as we go through it. Because there's some definite stuff that looks like they hired the guys from after last season to work the sequence. Oh, jeez. I mean, maybe they're not that bad, but <laughs> they, didn't, they, that bad. they didn't look good in the theater when I saw <laughs> it, and they haven't looked good in any of the times I've watched this since. This is one of those movies that I keep watching, wanting it and hoping it's going to be better, and every time I feel the same at the end of it. I feel like, why did I just do that? <laughs> At least it's only 90 minutes or so. It's not that long of a film, but, uh, I mean, sheesh, it, I don't know. It just, it feels every second of its 95 minute runtime. I'll, I'll say that. Mm, yeah, I think the, it, the, the third act in particular, I have problems with, but we'll get there. So. All right. For me, I, I, I didn't see this. I remember watching the previews for it coming out in the theaters and really being excited about it. But I think it took me at least two or three years before I actually got a copy to watch mm. on this movie. Um, and uh, to say I was disappointed at the time might be an understatement, <laughs> um, especially coming off of, you know, really enjoying watching all the Freddies and being super excited about a new remake in, in, version. And there's some good things in this one, but um, they're far buried, I think then come you know, to the, the forefront. The thing is about this is that there's so much ground 
to do something interesting with it, right? I mean, with the modern well, technology and the whole idea of a dreamscape and all. I mean, there's lots of things we could do with that, right? Because dreams can be, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I don't want to compare this movie to it, but like Inception and you know, some of that stuff. You know, there's uh, even something like What Dreams May Come, which is a weird film about suicide and grief, but it's beautiful to look at, you know. I was expecting, I guess, something like that, and... I'm really surprised that for a large part of it, we get kind of a standard boilerplate remake. I mean, it's if Halloween is a reimagining, if Texas Chainsaw was a reimagining of those properties, this is this in the Friday the 13th movie. The thing they hold in common is that they were produced by the same group and they are pretty faithful remakes of what had come before. Yeah, and I think if you're going to do a remake, you either have to go way off script, say Leprechaun Origins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't or, know if that's the best example. <laughs> I think it's a pretty damn good one. <laughs> <laughs> or you have to stick to the, the a very similar construct to the original and make it more updated. And I think that's mm-hmm. what they tried to do here. And in a sense, in certain ways, it actually works really well. And in others, it just falls flat. I agree with you. I think if the inclination was let's try to just update what was there and make it more interesting i think they had some neat storyline threads going and again i go back to the the thing i said at the beginning you can tell when one script idea ends and the next one begins and they weren't written by the same people necessarily and they weren't really cohesive they just made it work i actually expected when this movie you know, came out in theaters and I saw it and I said, okay, you know what? They're going to do the whole uh, Ridley Scott thing and they're going to release like the two-hour unrated version you know, it, when it comes out on DVD. And no, uh, it, it, to my knowledge, that doesn't exist. What you see is what the director felt like was all he could possibly shove in there. And I, I again, will go back to the idea that it's four of the best, 15 scripts kind of <laughs> shoved together and there it is. But no, yeah. I did, I did see this and I, I remember not being terribly uh, enthralled with what I had seen in theaters. And, uh, but like I said, I, I've just gone back to it and gone back to it several times to try and see, is there something there? And I'll be curious to see what I find in this watching as we get into it. But I think before we go any further, Brian, you got to give people the plot summary. As if you don't know it, I mean, if you've seen any Nightmare on Elm Street films, folks, you know the plot. But uh, we'll, we'll do it uh, for consistency's sake nonetheless. So go ahead, Brian. Nancy, Quentin, Jesse, Chris, and Dean are all haunted in reoccurring nightmares by a burned man with razor knives on his right hand. After Dean dies, Chris and Nancy begin to remember and see evidence that they all knew each other much earlier in life than any of them can remember. After more deaths, Nancy and Quentin uncover the truth. They were all classmates at Bedham Preschool, where a man named Fred Krueger worked as a groundskeeper, and he seemed to be very close to the children. In fact, he abused several of them, especially Nancy, and the parents took matters into their own hands and killed him by burning him up in an act of vigilante justice. Then, through therapy and forced separation, the children were made to forget. Quentin and Nancy wonder if their claims of abuse were even true, but they learn quickly Freddy is after them because they told the truth about the abuse and the parents killed him. Quentin and Nancy decide to take on Freddy in the dream world and Nancy brings him back to the real world where she and Quentin seemingly dispatch with him and burn down the remains of the old preschool. Then, in a final coda, Freddy appears behind Nancy's mom in a mirror and kills her in front of Nancy as she screams. Credits roll, and the franchise careens to an abrupt dead end. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, the, the <laughs> outcry from the horror fan base after this was, where do you go after that? You know, because first they they took a, a a dangling thread that had always been there about Freddy, right? The the abuse angle, and they decided to go with that. And instead of doing the most interesting idea they've got, which is the kids made it up, you know what what a twist that would have been, right? 
they go, no, no, he really is that creepy. And now you've taken the most memorable thing in your franchise and you've made him so icky that no <laughs> one could possibly want to root for him. Nobody's costuming is this pretty. You know, no one wants to be. And this, like, it's like, I don't want to touch this. It's sort of the way most people acted uh, after, you know, some recent comments by one of our presidential candidates. You know, it's just, you can't touch that goddamn. You know, it's just, no, you don't, you don't want to be around that. We're not going to go for that as Halloween anymore this is well it kind of is a uh dare i say sort of a rob zombie thing to do you know people like to dress up like michael myers until they saw that remake and they're like no this guy's just pretty effed up i don't really want to be that thanks so i've, I, I, I've they they definitely accomplished one thing freddie was not going to be the darn hero anymore they they took care of that quick and that was the correct move I mean, to me, Freddy never should have been the hero. He should always be the bad guy. You should always be rooting against him. And if they have to make him vile like he is supposed to be, then they did the right thing in this movie. Yeah, they did. But I, what I'm saying is I don't know how enjoyable of a watching experience that leaves me. Well, you but know? as a horror film, you should be uncomfortable or scared or you know something you should have some emotion against the bad guy and i think that they accomplished that with this freddy krueger version you know how i feel about it i feel about it kind of the way when we started this whole thing back at last house on the left remember that <laughs> no, just sort of yeah just uncomfortable and kind of i just need to go take a shower now i just feel dirty uh, having it's interesting it. i i didn't so. feel that at all actually my thought was this is great this is a much more sinister freddy krueger and they're actually using the the whole child rapist slash murderer piece to their advantage here and i thought that was a good move <laughs> Can we talk about the new Freddy for a little bit? Let's just do yeah. that before we get into the story. Jackie Earl Haley. Now, are you familiar with his work at all? No. Okay, I knew him from the movie that I guess everybody else knew from. It was called Little Children. And he played a guy that had been a child molester or something like that. And then he got out, and he was still kind of weird. And it was uh, the whole movie is like one of those, you know, horror and suburbia but not really a horror it's a drama or whatever anyway he's great in it he's fantastic in it then he played rorschach in uh watchman which you know i'm not this huge watchman fan so i'm not as angry at that movie as a lot of the fans of that uh graphic novel are so i had a good time watching it he was by far the scariest thing in that movie because all he did was just talk and he just had this sinister thing you brought that up that's a great word for it. Freddie this time is so sinister. And I think they had to do that. And I will credit him for being a good enough actor to pull it off because he's small. I mean, he is not nearly as, as tall as Robert England is, and he's not big. I mean, Kellen Lutz, who plays Dean, is like a linebacker. He'd break him in half if he ever really got a hold of him. You know, now the other two dudes are, you know, sheepish shrimpish you know 2000s douchebags but uh no offense uh, to <laughs> those two actors but that's just the characters they play freddie here this time though isn't trying to overpower people he's diabolical and the best thing about he's it mind me, fucking them well totally and yeah. the best thing about it to me brian is the little twitch he does with the fingers the finger knives mm -hmm. that that was something apparently he just came up with and i thought well Ed, now, if he brought nothing else to the character except that that was genius and brilliant and apparently that was all him he just cool. started doing that and they were like oh yeah do that some more and then I almost at one point thought, hey, is that too much of that? And I'm like, no, no, you know, that's cool, and he needs to do that. So I was down for that that little moment. But the thing is, is that all of that are like the the tent posts of what you build a good character around. The problem is, is that the overhang on it is just a tarp. <laughs> the, we're missing some walls. There's no floor. All of that. It's just sort of breezed through in some ways. That's why I, I felt like when I watched this the first time that there had to be a longer cut of it. And the fact that there's not disappoints me that they didn't go with the story the way they could have. See, and I have a different point of view on it. I actually think they did a good job of explaining this story um, in, in pieces, you know, uh, little bits here and there and why he's going after Nancy, you know, why this and that. I like the fact that 
they explained the whole thing as as these people are learning it themselves because the parents weren't going to say anything, right? The right. mom's not going to tell Nancy what happened. She, she basically freaks out when she even gets questioned about it. Um, and, you know, to, to have us learn these things as they are learning them, I thought was a good way to do it. And I actually thought the backstory was really good having him be kind of one of those trusted people around the, the preschool or whatever you want to call it and it taking the advantage of these little kids, right? right. Um, and, and, you know, earning their trust by uh, um, engaging them with their artwork or whatever, right? And then to really go down the rabbit hole with this um, molestation piece and then to find out that he's really after Nancy because he was her, or she was his favorite, you know? Right. That's really sinister and disgusting, but that's how it should be. To me, right. and I thought they did a good job explaining that, and I really liked the the story they told with the parents when they found out and going after him and showing I, that he gets off on the trial on the technicality, and they took matters in their own hands, chased him down to the school, burned him alive, all this stuff. I I think they did a good job with that. The stuff we've always heard about and have seen pieces of in other Freddy movies, but we get the longest bits of it here. You're right about that. I think what I was wanting from it, Brian, was I wanted more of it. If anybody gets the short shrift in this movie, it's Clancy Brown and Connie Britton, who obviously have like more than they just killed somebody together history that we never get into together. Mm -hmm. Nancy's mom and Quentin's dad, you know. But I wanted more of that. And I think Part of that is because I'm older and I know who Clancy Brown and Connie Britton are, and I don't know any of these other people except from just seeing them on TV here and there and stuff, and, and I'm interested in them. And I, I think it would have been a different way of doing it was it, what if the kids were the side story this time and it was about the adults and Freddie. And, and I will say I do think it would have been a bolder move that if the kids had made it up and that the overreactive parents... Oh, yeah. Th that would have been a bold move. Now, then you, you do make Freddy a victim. And that's the thing that's made, you know, Freddy and Jason different than Michael Myers, right? Michael Myers is just a force of evil that just kills people. Sometimes for druid reasons, sometimes not, right? Sometimes it's just because he's going to kill them. But Freddy and Jason, in some way, were wronged. You know, at least from their point of view, right? So they are always out getting revenge. And what if they had taken that, you know, revenge angle and actually turned it on its head and said, nope, the kids just made it up and the parents overreacted and holy cow, this is what we get. That would have been yeah. an interesting way to I do think, it. I think that would have been way cool, uh, an alley to go down. I think that would have been actually really good. But then again, you, you make Freddy a sympathetic character and now you're rooting yeah. for him to get back at the parents. And I don't think that's what you want. To have right. come out of this. What I did like about uh, uh, what I thought was interesting, I, I won't want to say I did like, what I thought was interesting about this version is that they never mentioned that he was a child killer in this one, just that he molested the children. Right, he didn't so murder So that was anybody. really interesting too. Yeah, it was. And and they don't get into the specifics of the technicality or whatever. It's, uh, it's like a warrant wasn't signed or something like that. It's just a drop line. And I guess it's okay. I, you know, I'm I'm one of those nuts that I love all those like pr police procedural shows, you know, Criminal Minds and whatnot. And then I watch like 48 Hours and all that stuff and true crime stuff. So I, I dig that kind of thing. So I guess that's part of me is sort of wanting to know oh, what would that you know the the true crime story have been? That would have been neat to hear. But they do spend more a uh, much more time on it than we ever have before. So I can't knock it too bad. And you're dead on in thinking if if we make him that sympathetic then it's you are asking the audience then to root for him against mm -hmm. people who are not the despicable stereotypes that you root for the killer against like that's the thing the, fr the friday the 13th remake did was they took all the despicable stereotypes you hate and <laughs> just lined them up for jason to kill for you because that's what a friday the 13th movie is in a lot of ways but nightmare on elm street became that but it never really was that particularly in its better chapters, it there was something there, right? And they also don't have the overtly supernatural part. Like, there's no dream demons, and there's no churches, and none of the Catholic, like, overtones that were in the first movies, and particularly the third and the fourth one, none of that is here. No, right, and, and that's probably wise. <laughs> well, I mean, but. I think, too, in, in a modern audience, I don't still think that plays. One... The church is not a popular subject, you know, in the masses, particularly in 2010, and it's just not something that would play 
to a modern audience. I don't think they, they look at things the way that audiences in the 80s did. Yeah, that's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think keeping the religion aspect out of it is a good move on mm-hmm. their part. I mean, there's just no need to bring that up. Um, it, it, you're going to hurt yourself more than anything, especially in this day and age, whereas yeah. back then maybe it wasn't as big a deal, you know? Right. Um, to bring that into the storyline to this day and age, you got a lot of people who would be really turned off if you started doing that. So I think it yeah. was the right move um, and really just keep it on the, the whole molestation storyline for Freddy Krueger and the school thing and everything else and just keep the religion aspect out of it and go with he was just a really, really bad dude. Right. The the part of the film that I have the hardest part swallowing, and we're going to get into the you know the whole plot of it here in a minute, but the part of it that I have the hardest part with, Brian, is I don't think they did a good enough job of explaining how they got all of these kids to forget each other. You know, yeah. I don't I don't remember everything about, you know, early school years and stuff like that, but I do remember the kids that I played with. And like the other day, like I kid you not, I actually sat said to myself, I wonder where those two twin brothers that I knew, you know, were that I used to hang out with. And I, I looked them up on LinkedIn, you know, nice. and so I was like, ah, you know, you can find people nowadays. And I'm like, well, you know, we have the, the way to do that. I, I don't know. I guess I needed something. And I never got this sense of like, was Quentin's dad like a principal or was he a therapist or whatever? I don't know. Like I needed to know how they orchestrated this great forgetfulness because like we said in the plot summary, I mean, basically they just separated themselves from each other and their kids from each other in what's not that large of a town, but they're all still there. And then they meet again in high school and we just hope that none of them ever remember it. But you know, they all do. That's the thing is that's the thing about repressed memories is that eventually something is going to trigger (laughs) it. Yes. It is going to get triggered back. You can't hide it forever. And the fact that it's coming out in teenage years makes total sense because chemicals are changing in your body at a rate that is astronomical at that point. So the kids cannot control all that type of stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I needed a better explanation as to how they pulled that off. Did you? I think it would have been nice to have that explanation. I mean, we can just assume that either they were – hypnotized into forgetting or hypnosilled yeah no no no. um or they you know they went through years of therapy to to make them forget or or i'm sure the parents you know did something we're left to just imagine what that might be to do that or the kids were so traumatized by it that they repressed the memories themselves I, see, I don't think they would have. That's the thing is, and you said it, we're left to imagine this, and that's a problem in a film. I can imagine things in a book, and then you tell me 50, 75 pages later, and I'm like, holy cow, I was totally wrong about that. In a movie, you need to t- show me this at some point, and they mm-hmm. never pay that off. And, and even so, they even back up what, again, I thought would have been a much more interesting idea of the, we, you know, Quentin goes off on his dad later and is like, we could have just said anything, you know, and then that, that goes nowhere. Because, again, <laughs> yeah. that's a script that we, we took that part of it and because we thought it was cool. And then we very quickly reassure everyone, no, he's, he's a molester, he's a molester, he's a molester. So. Yeah, and, and, and he, you know. They go with that route, right? You said that maybe the kids were all making them up. They tried to go with that route for a little bit, and, and, and Nancy and Quentin believe in that they made it up uh, b- before they finally realized that, no, they did not. I mean, yeah, th- before they <laughs> but, go to the preschool and we get the, I mean, the most uncomfortable bit where they start going through pictures, and, I mean, yeah. And we're going to talk yep. about that when we get to it. But let's get to the opening of the movie here because this is one thing that I did not expect, and I will give – whomever came up with it, the director, if it was somebody in the studio, whatever, the trailer to this film, when it came out, the long form, and I watched it a lot, because I really was just trying to see what they were going to do here, and 80% of the trailer is this opening, in the diner here, mm-hmm. where we meet Dean and Chris, and basically what happens is Dean falls asleep at the table and takes his steak knife and cuts his own head off. But what happens in the dream, of course, is Freddie is making him do it, but that's what we see. And we, we, you know, we talked about what would you see if you saw somebody being killed by Freddie? What would it look like? Well, now we get an answer to that. And I mean, this is the best scene in the film. It's the best kill in the film. I think is this opening one, because 
it just comes out of nowhere. And instead of opening up in a dream, we open up with all of our characters already know what is going on. They're already all having the nightmares. And we see one of them go completely off the rails. Well, in a, we are in a dream. We well, he's up. having dreams in in the diner, but that yeah. diner scene happens. I mean, he well, cuts his head off in the diner. Correct, correct. But yeah. he's in the dream when it's when it's going on. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we do open it in the dream, and everything that's happening is part of his dream, and then we kind of tail in and out of it, right? Um, right. Uh, before we finally see that Freddy's there and, and doing this to him. But he is right. technically in a dream, so they keep that part going, which I think is great. Uh, it was definitely a great scene, and it was a it was a very promising open. <laughs> oh, I mean, to yeah, the movie. I mean, the flashing back and forth between Dream World and Real World, and Dream World and Real World. I thought that cinematography and that effect looked amazing. They do yeah. it again later on when Nancy's getting attacked in like a CVS by Freddy or whatever. They do that again, and those those two times it looks amazing when they go back and forth from Freddy walking down the aisles to shit just flying off the shelves at people, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. But this diner scene opens up great, and they you know they do the thing that y- you have to do in these movies. They establish every character we need to know inside of five minutes. You know, we we get Jesse who used to date. Chris, as if, by the way, and <laughs> some dude we never see again, and then Quentin, who's crushing hard on waitress Nancy, who works there, and um, we're going to talk about Rooney Mara in a second, but anyway, th- there's that, and then you've got Dean, who's obviously freaking out, and he's trying to talk to Chris and tell her, you know, we all knew each other when we were younger, and he can't spit it out, and I do like the fact that he's he doesn't know how to deal with any of this, and he's just having that complete freak out. Yeah, I agree. I think this was just a phenomenal scene. And yeah, I I like the imagery that we get here. And I do like the cutting in and outs between reality and dream world because you've got to try and figure out what's going on and and where we are, right? Mm -hmm. And we do get every character, which is always good. I mean, we know who our our two... main characters are going to be the with nancy and quentin you know doing the whole googly eye crap okay did you know that because i didn't know that i actually thought chris was going to be somebody that got to hang around i thought they were going to mess with us as the pretty blonde wasn't going to die no no i i was pretty we knew nancy was the big person right the main attraction and then you got to have her good friend who's going to be chris in this situation get killed Mm. That's just well, how I, the nightmares they esta- work. They established that, but again, I thought if they want to do something a little different, maybe they're playing with us here a little bit. Yeah. Can I say something, though, about that? Katie Cassidy, in addition to being very pretty to look at, has a lot of screen presence. Like, she's really good at the whole freak out that happens. Because she, I mean, she dies within, like, 15 minutes. I mean, it's quick. Mm-hmm. Well, you it's, know, she, it's like Tina in the first well, one, yeah, right? I, yeah, I mean, and she doesn't really get to do the comebacks as much as Tina did. I mean, there's one scene, but not as much as, you know, the, the screw your hall pass and all that stuff. <laughs> the, the thing is, is that she is playing this character in a very believable way. Like, I, you know, I didn't care for Jesse and Quentin as characters necessarily. I've already kind of berated them. But the actors did a decent enough job with what they had in front of them. I think they were fine. The one that I have the biggest problem with, Brian, is Nancy. Rooney Mara looks like she doesn't want to be there. And from everything I've read and heard from her about it, not you know personally, but in any press that she would bother to do for this, she hated working on this movie. She didn't want to be in this movie. She didn't get it. She almost quit acting in films because of this. She didn't get along with the director. She didn't like her co-stars. And I think it shows. I think she yeah. looks like somebody that does not want to be there. And that's a problem when you're going to lay the movie on her shoulders to carry at one point. Yeah, and I, I, my biggest problem was is that you just didn't care about her. Yeah. Right? I mean, you had no tie to her emotionally for any reason, and you just were like, kind of like, eh, you know, if she dies, big whoop. I mean, her best scene is when she does have the breakdown at the preschool later after realizing the abuse she suffered. That, I mean, that's harrowing, and it was, and it's awful, and she played that right. I think that's the one scene she gave a dang about it all because the rest of the time she just looks pissed off or bored. And right. I'm like, that's the wrong impetus. Like, Heather Langenkamp is by no means this master thespian, 
But I think she understood what she was in, particularly like in part three. Like part one, nobody knew what the hell they were doing. They're just trying to make this work, right? And we talked about the dialogue in that movie is horrible, you know. <laughs> but you go with it because it, it flows well enough. In part three, she actually is, is acting. She's got a character. She's doing things. And, I mean, of course, she was great playing herself in <laughs> New Nightmare. We both really liked that. But she's doing something. Rooney Mara just looks, like I said, she just looks bored. Like Disinterested, just, yeah. Yeah, just not, like, and not the least bit phased by some of this stuff that's going on around her. And I'm like, I know we got to have, we have the, the outgoing extroverted girl, so we want to have the counteract of it, which is the mousy uh, introverted girl, but. God, she's just annoying. Yeah, I agree. I'm. She does put. It's almost like she's mailing it home on this one, and you you care more about Quentin than you do her, even though oh, yeah. she's the one who's been through all the trauma. Yeah, I see. And there's another opportunity they had if they really wanted to flip the script on it. Quinn should have been the one that was his favorite. Like I know they probably couldn't have done that, you know. No, but you talk yeah. about making it even even harder to swallow. That would have been interesting because again, that actor is playing a character. He's doing something because he's strung out on you know taking uh, Ritalin or whatever it is he's supposed to be taking, and he's I mean he's con everybody in this movie is you know an insomniac at this point anyway. But he's the one that's doing it with chemicals. Right. So he's like so screwed up, and I don't. I liked him at, from that angle, and they they could have had some more fun with that if they wanted to. Um, and they just, I mean, again, they just went back to the boilerplate. It's like this, that's what I feel about this movie is every time they get up to the, prep, the precipice of doing something really interesting, then they just stop themselves and they go with the obvious thing. You know? It's yeah, just, it's true. I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a frustrating thing to watch because you can see all the potential in it, but it never comes to fruition. Like I'm imagining a much more interesting film than I ever see. I uh, would agree with that. I mean, I, they did a lot of things good in here, but like you said, um, it just was like, okay, let's take it to the next step. And then no. <laughs> well, I, and, and again, no. I blame that on the fact that we're mashing four stories together. Scripts, that right. May or may not have been exactly related. I mean, we, you know, we get right into it. Dean's dead and we go to his funeral and we have, I and mean, we have another, you know, dream in the funeral, and they they don't they set up, but then they finally reveal later on in Act Two that all these kids have stayed awake so long that they're all now like micro napping, which this is apparently a real thing, by the way, uh, oh, that sure. insomniacs suffer. And I, you know, they it's like this is Freddy's mo though is that he is actually trying to keep them awake long enough to where when they finally do go to sleep, they go into like a coma. And then he gets to play with them forever, mm -hmm. especially Nancy. That's who he wants to, you know, keep that way. And, you know, I don't know. I liked the – it felt a little fast-forwarded, but I won't knock the film for throwing us right into where everybody knew what was going on. Like, they knew the name Fred Krueger. They had all that information. And I know I've, I've listened to and heard other people say, ah, you know, I kind of wish they were you know, figuring it out. Well, we've seen that movie. That was the first one. Nowadays, kids nowadays, and even in 2010, they'd have been on the Internet. They'd have been figuring this stuff out. They would not have been waiting around for somebody to tell them. Oh, absolutely. I liked it, too. I like that we, you know, the funeral is really what brings them back out of it, which bring these memories back to the forefront, right? For all mm -hmm. of them, it seems like. Um, and I, I like that. I thought that was a good move to do. And then we start to get right into the movie here. What is your thought, though? I want your thought. They kind of did a similar um, take on the whole uh, first movie where one person witnesses a murder, gets blood all over them, and takes off because they're going to get blamed and gets thrown in jail. What did you yeah. think of that? You know what? It, it Again, it felt like... Every time they were going to do something interesting, they just go right back to what they know. And I will say this about Chris's dream there. And I hate that they blew that in the trailer when all the kids like explode into ashes around her and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like that was an awesome looking effect. I was like, oh, I wish I hadn't seen that in the trailer because I knew that was coming. So when I saw her sitting in that class, I was like, oh, here it comes. And sure <laughs> enough, there it was, you know, and it, and it looked great. It still works. I like her nightmare. And I like the fact that. She gets killed like Tina. She basically levitates and just gets split, you know, straight down yep. the mm -hmm. whole front. And this time we see it. And, I, and I'll and i say for a, a film that's got a lot of violence in it, 
that's a good gore effect. Like that, it didn't look cheesy at all. It looked good. And and Thomas Decker, Jesse, I mean, the look on his face is like two things. It's like, holy shit, did that just happen to my girlfriend? Holy shit, I'm totally getting blamed for that. And he <laughs> yeah. just takes off. But the thing is, though, and the thing with Rod is like, we got like, you know, time with him. Like he ran away and he talked to a friend and like he's, he's still talking to somebody the next day. They catch this kid in like a matter of minutes. Yeah. And well, my wife, my wife had a great point. She's like, who called the cops? I guess the neighborhood watchman saw him running around in the middle of the night and was like, why well, is that teenage kid running out of the... We didn't even talk about, though, how Freddy like, kills the dog. You know, I mean, <laughs> you never do that, right? You never kill poor Rufus, and poor Rufus <laughs> is dead. I was just petting him. Well, that sucks, man. <laughs> I was so, just so, petting him. <laughs> if I had any reason to hate you more, you know, now I really do, Freddy. But yeah. No, I, I did like Chris's death, and I, I like the fact that we got to get somebody in jail and that the dude is doing everything he can to try to you know, stay awake. And his you know, tough ass cellmate is like telling him to shut up. And when he finally yes. gets killed and it is a good kill scene, it's probably the second best kill scene in the film. When he gets killed and Freddie drops that line about, Oh, your brain will last seven more minutes after your heart stops. That we got more time sick, to play. Yeah. That was sick. But the, his cellmate is like, I did not do this. Come and get me out of here. And I, I did think, well, that, no, that was a pleasing moment. Like they, they're not wasting a lot of time getting into the killing here. And yeah. it set me up for a false thought for a minute. I was like, man, they're going to have a body count out the wazoo here. <laughs> and then it stops. Like, Dead so much tracks. so that we have to, like, kill somebody on the internet on a blog. You know, like, that's Aaron Hughes' whole performance is on a, it's on a webcam. It's like he shot it in the back of his dorm one day or something. And I... I, don't, I think that was only put in there because we need somebody else to die. We didn't anybody die in 35 minutes. And the movie does grind to a halt when Quentin and Nancy become Nancy Drew and one of the Hardy Boys. Like, it's... <laughs> uh, yeah. But up to that point, like, the first the first act of this film, I'm like, I am down for it. I'm like, man, this is, um, this is fantastic. And I was the same way in theaters. I was like, this is awesome. This is exactly what it should be. And then it takes a a weird slow turn up the mountain, Brian. And well, I don't it, think it ever recovers. Yeah, it, go, it gets out of the whole action sequence and goes into the let's let's figure out why this is happening time, right? And, and which it, is what we need. But we do, but we don't need to slow down to a bloody halt, yes. which is what we do, right? And yeah. it's 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 really bizarre. I really like like if this movie were four separate movies, <laughs> they'd all be pretty decent. Right? Yeah, if they're, if they're all episodes but of as, a show. As one yeah. simple movie, it's like, this is so good. All of a sudden, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is Giga Blast? Uh, Does that when really are we going to kill someone? When are we going after? Wait, what? You know, and it, it was just like, oh, God, and, we have to and, have mommy-daughter talk. And Well, no, we but we don't hide. get enough of those. We don't get enough parent talk. The parents just pop into that. Again, I feel like Connie Britton and Clancy Brown are in like maybe – I don't know, four minutes of this whole film. Oh, not very long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, you've wasted two good character actors right there. I mean, they're they're both very good at playing different types of people. And they're just, uh, Clancy Brown gets one scene to really do what he's good at. Connie Britton gets nothing to do in this film. Well, nothing all she gets, at all. All she gets to do is to call up uh, Quentin's dad to say, we need to uh, intervene. They're starting right. to remember like even right? that scene at the dinner table or whatever when she's looking at pictures and stuff, you know, like they could have played that so much better. And I mean, if you've ever watched any of Friday Night Lights, Connie Britton on there is like the most realistic, you know, mom on TV that that you've seen in years, and she has all the range of emotions with the teenage daughter on that show. And it's, I mean, and, and of course that's set up over seasons and seasons. But, like, I feel none of that here. First off, these two people don't look like they come from each other. There's no way Rooney Mara <laughs> came from her. It's like, no, you adopted her. Like, it's, you're not this, you know, blood. Also, we don't get any story at all. Where's dad? Dad died in the war. Dad run off. Dad, you know, wh where's the, And then where's Quentin's mom? Like, that was the thing mm, in the first are Nightmare they brother film. And sister? Uh, that would even be weirder. <laughs> no, no, thank you. You just ruined the other thing. In the film. <laughs> they actually had some bit of cute chemistry together. It wasn't great, but it was Not okay. Not anymore. Oh, gosh. Well, they had more than Langenkamp and Johnny Depp did. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, he didn't teach her Balinese dream warrior 
therapy or whatever. <laughs> but the th- the thing is, like, I don't get that these people have any relationship at all. Like, all she does is tell Nancy to go to bed and not drown in the tub. You know, listening to their headphones on a cell phone in the tub. I'm like, first off, nobody is dumb enough to get your phone that close to the tub. No, I'm sorry. I know um, people. They, yes, they love they the phone. Are. Oh, have you done this? Oh, yes. Oh, well, okay then. I, I apparently... Uh, Call me a tr- moron. Go ahead. I don't. <laughs> I don't trust my electronics. That maybe I don't trust myself around the electronics. Your, your cell water. phone will not electrocute you, Jay. Don't worry. No, no, but it'll but kill you, the phone. Well, yeah, it's possible. You believe it or not, these phones nowadays—if you mm-hmm. got an iPhone or something—they can last underwater for quite some time before they actually die. But that Samsung thing she was janking around with, no. <laughs> or that Nokia, well, at least it didn't start it on fire. It didn't. It did not. You're right. So, uh, but still, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not going to blame her for that. They had to recreate that scene. It's it's well it's enough. Iconic. I mean, it, well, it is. But again, I'm like, why do we feel like we got to do the greatest hits of things? Like we get a part where she's because you know walking it's through a the remake. Well, but they call back to stuff that's like not even that good. That Freddie they got starts, the body drag in the hall, man. That was good. Well, yeah, but then they got Freddie doing cheesy lines like, uh, how's that for a wet dream? And I'm like, really? Can we pull that one out? I was like, and plus, that's like Nancy. Like, that's that's a terrible, that's not a thing that she would know anything about unless she just studies boys, which she does not come off like somebody who cares. So, I, I don't know. I There are a couple of times when I feel like whatever script they were working off of had Freddie doing jokes. And they let Jackie Earl Haley do a couple of those, and they're like, you know, maybe we shouldn't let him do these because he really can't do <laughs> Like, I like the guy, and he's got a sense of humor. If you, I mean, if you've ever seen the RoboCop remake, he's hilarious in that. And I'm like, if you'd have let the guy riff like that, that would have worked, but that would have totally been opposite the Freddy character. So why do it at all? We've made him so sinister and so strange and weird. Why even go there? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think they should have kept the comedy piece out of it completely. Because that's what really kind of made Freddy kind of not so scary anymore. And well, if you're yeah. going for a scarier Freddy, you don't introduce the comedy. No, not at all. And Especially thing, when he's a child molesting son of a bitch. Yeah. The other thing, too, is as they're having Quentin and Nancy figure all this stuff out, you know, Hardy, Nancy, Drew through this thing, as they do, they have some bit in there, Brian, about like the Pied Piper and I'm like, what the hell are y'all leading the about? kids? Yeah, like I'm like, what are you talking? About? And I felt like I'm like, is this part of the script that wanted the kids to be liars about it? Because then this would have paid off. Otherwise, it just seems kind of stupid. You know, mm-hmm. I don't get why that's in there at all. And I agree, I don't get why it's in there either. Um, I I thought that was really dumb. Like, yeah, it doesn't need to be there. Like, it's another reason on top of another reason. Like, I, I get it. I get why the guy, like you said, he's some molesting son of a bitch. That's all I really need to know. I mean, I don't need him. He's He's been wronged by the town, so he goes after the children. I'm like, well, y'all aren't even going to pay that off. So that's a waste of time. A big waste of time, yeah. Yeah. And that's when you realize something, too, is that because they've cobbled together so many stories – Somewhere along the way, they realize, God, we got to slow this thing down. We don't have enough time. And they do. I mean, it comes to a grinding halt. It picks back up finally when they go to the drugstore. But the the 30 minutes getting to that, I I was just like checking the timer, looking at my watch. I was <laughs> I mean I was like trying don't pick up the phone and play on Twitter. Don't pick up the phone and play. I mean, really, like I was I was bored for so much of this and you know our friend nick i was talking to him about this he's been listening to the shows and i said hey you got any thoughts on this he said yeah utterly boring (laughs) and Mm -hmm. i don't think he's ever even seen the end of it so maybe he has but i mean this is the part that just it it does slow down way too much and the problem is if they speed it up the movie's an hour and 10 minutes long (laughs) so they had to do something but it's sort of like the middle of H2O when everything just kind of stops. Uh, everything just kind of stops. Don't be ripping on H2O. <laughs> I don't rip it. I mean, it was fine. It was fine enough, but... It's great. Uh, well, y- you say that. It's nowhere near the 1978 version. But, Whatever. You know, and, it's not, and, and, it's, and look, say what you will about the curse of Michael Myers, but it keeps you entertained. You never know what's coming, so... <laughs> Anyway, uh, not to rehash that conversation. We're we're doing now what the 
producers have done. We're just revisiting the greatest hits. Uh, Damn straight. But, but I mean, really, that's that's all they're doing, and you know, they believe that. Kruger wants revenge because they lied as children. So they do have the confrontation with the dad. And, again, it's Clancy Brown's best scene. It's one of the few he actually gets. And I thought he was great in it. But, again, they drop that so quick because they just want to get out to the preschool now. So these kids kind of go on their own. And So as we, yeah. as we get here, this school obviously has been abandoned. Right. I guess we can assume that it was abandoned shortly after they murdered Fred Krueger, right? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, after they, they burned him alive and buried the evidence somehow. B- buried so. it? It's there. It's in plain <laughs> fucking sight. <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, the amazing part, right? No cops have ever been through this place to clear it out. It didn't bother. <laughs> it didn't bother to go look at, look at this thing to figure out why anyone would kill this guy. They just claimed that he ran away, right? Uh, right. And... and, and it's all right. They find it so easily. All Did they hypnotize the whole else. town? Did the whole freaking town get hypnotized and buy that bullshit line? I, he just he just went away. I mean, I like, don't uh, get it. That's the thing is before you could buy that right because you had a cop involved. Nancy's dad yes. had the kind of pull that could make that work. Correct. Gwen's dad, like, is either the principal or the school counselor. I don't know who Gwen is, Nancy's mom. I don't know what she does. Chris's Quentin's mom's a freaking Quentin's <laughs> not 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 Quentin's lover. Quentin's dad's lover. Oh yeah, that but one. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you know, Chris's mom is a freaking flight attendant. You know, which is great, but that doesn't mean she's gone a lot. Yeah, she's got to take the red eye at four in the afternoon. <laughs> I guess maybe to she London to prep. I don't know. To I guess I that pre- that red eye. I, I don't know, man. I don't. <laughs> I, you know, look, that's a hard job. Bless to anybody who can actually do it. But I know. I just thought the, that was a great line. Yeah, I, I did. I did notice that. I've as got well. a red eye to London at four in the four afternoon. In the, that's called. Okay. We're picking up a quick shot, and the, we can't get the light out of the shot. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> we're just. We're just going to do it quick. This lady's yeah, got to yeah. go and do a soap commercial, so she can't be here tomorrow. We got to shoot it now. Right. That's, that's what's Any, Anyway, I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that they go down into his lair, his his room. Well, hold on, hold on. Before we get to his room, though, we got we got to talk about the drugstore scene. Okay. Okay. Because it's completely edited wrong. It's it's a typical of this movie and everything that's wrong with it. You, you have Quentin go in and he talks to the druggist, right? And he's like, I need to refill these. And they're like, oh, no, that's a little bit inside of your you know, window. We can't can't do that. Um, and they obviously can see he's like tweaking back there, right? And they're yep. like, mm, no, we're not giving this dude. We're not selling this dude Sudafed. No, nothing. And the thing is, is like he his last moment is to walk away. But like there's like three extra beats of him going, you just go ahead and fill that up. Just go ahead and fill it up. You just go ahead and fill it up. And I'm like, we didn't need all three of them. We, one time would have been good, and he just walks away. Like that, they just left that in there because at that moment, Nancy has has tried to burn herself with a cigarette lighter. Which I'm like, what kind of car still has those in them? Not that model car. I, you know, I've yeah, I, I haven't seen one in a long time. I, I don't think I don't think you can anymore, actually. But beyond that, she she's having this cool action scene with Freddie chasing her down the you know the the. Alway, like we've talked about already. Meanwhile, Quentin is standing there arguing with the druggist, which we already know the answer to this. It's, it's so pointless. And again, it's it's another moment of when I realized these people had no idea what they were putting together doing because this movie is paced so wrong. And this is everything wrong with the second act is this right now because you've got this great thing going on on the side over here. And meanwhile, you got this dude schlubbing at the dang uh, counter with uh, Dr. What's-His-Face. You know, so it's a complete Somebody's waste. Somebody's got a problem. <laughs> Clearly, I am on my soapbox <laughs> about this, okay? But I, I, I meant Quentin, but <laughs> well, you clearly, could too, I mean. <laughs> I mean, look, dude, he, he was popping those things like Tic Tacs. Uh, anyway, so you've got that cool scene going on, and you got Quentin there wasting everybody's time. And th- from there, though, we do get them going to... The school, but they have this like cute little conversation in the slow down drive in the car because we, I guess, we needed to establish that they were cute on each other some more than we already had. And they have this whole like he, he does get a funny line, Quentin does. Is 
he was like, well, if I ask you out and you're not ready to decide, you can sleep on it. <laughs> and then, like, Freddy appears somehow and runs them off the road. <laughs> but he runs them right to, like, where they want to go. And I'm like, why would Freddy send them to where the evidence was? He was maybe. screwing with maybe. them yeah, exactly. to tell them that say, they Maybe lied. he wants to, them to know why he's after him. Why? That, that there's zero strategic man. advantage to that. No, head games. The, the head game is to make them think they lied about it. They're already going down there. Like he could oh. be like, man, that's way better. Maybe so. to make them lie about it is the head game for them. However, yeah. for him, he's sinister. He wants them to know. Well, he, I mean, he he's lays it out fucker. to he lays it out to Nancy that he's trying to keep her. So on the edge of insanity that once she finally goes to sleep, she'll never wake up again, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I get it. You know, that's your pretty, that's your favorite. You're going to extra good, you know, with her or whatever. But it's sick. More well, than well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> that's the really, point. But all of that stuff is at the freaking school. Can we just talk about the, the Freddy layer that is left behind yes, for 20 years? Not a single person has touched this stuff. All the old artwork and school pictures that the kids drew are still on the fucking wall. And the pictures are right there for anybody to see. It's it's like they burned him last week or something. Like, really, it's not like 10 or 12 years or however long it's supposed to have been have gone by. Mm-hmm. Like, and at all. I, uh, It's... It doesn't make any sense. Like again, somebody's There's mom. There's not even dust. Somebody's mom or dad should have been a police officer, and we had to sneak into the archive section of the exactly. police station and, and look at all this. Gwen could have been a detective for all we knew. You know, that would have been more interesting than sending the kids to the school. Yeah, like it's all about this school. You know, it's all about the school, and and it's and not I, very secured. Nobody's like everyone. Anyone can just come and go as they please. They didn't have to break in. Oh, well, there is a fence. Oh, wow. (laughs) There's a fence at every school. (laughs) I know. Right. But that's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, you know, they had that, I guess. But but here's the thing. None of the like they don't even know where the place is. The therapy was so good. They have no idea where the hell they even went to preschool. Brian, I haven't been in preschool in almost 35 years. I can drive you to it right now. (laughs) And I don't live in that town anymore, but I could take you tonight if you wanted to go. I could show you where it was. Yeah. And uh, therapy or no, there's no way. Again, again, they only find it because Freddie leads them to it. That's the, the point. But it, the thing is, is that the first act was perfect, almost, almost perfect. All right, the second act has been entirely too slow and meandering. Now the third act is incredibly truncated because mm-hmm. it feels like two different endings shoved together somehow. And I want to get mm-hmm. your reading on what is happening here because what I want to ask is, did, does Nancy go into that coma state he wants her to go in? Is that how? that ending with the mom happens that she's still having the nightmare or what the hell is that to me? It's just the fact that she's done. She's killed Freddie right off. And this is the, sorry, bitch. I'm still here. Right. I mean, that's really it. They were setting up for a sequel that never ever came and probably never ever will. Um, And it was just like, now she can rest easily. She take goes to sleep and, Sorry. <laughs> well, that's so the much. thing, though. That's the thing, though. And again, I don't know if it's because she's bored and hates this movie or she's trying to do something with the character there. But Rooney Mara never acts at ease. Like, for one minute, she acts like it's cool because Quentin gets the crap torn out of him, man. I mean, he takes a beat. I really thought he was going to die. And the fact that he lived, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, you get to live? Really? Okay. So Quentin lived. That was uh, the first shock. The second thing was the way she kills Freddy is she does figure out to drag him into the real world. So they do this whole thing and he stabs her with an epinephrine pen, whatever. We all saw that Mm -hmm. coming a hundred miles away, but but somebody else watched Pulp Fiction once too. So, you know, whatever. So we do that. And then she gets like the, the cutter thing that cuts, you know, construction paper or whatever. Your wife's a teacher. I'm sure she's got one. You can cut the hell out of your fingers with one of those. I'm not sure you can decapitate somebody with one, but she sure as hell does. It's got to be pretty well sharpened. 
Yeah, just because a that's bit. not really a sharp blade. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and it's been sitting in that school. That dank. Mm-hmm. I mean, the school looks like it's in Gainesville, Florida. It's in it's pristine a condition, just like yeah. everything else. Oh, it's no, it looks rusty, but it oh. works like a friggin' what? machete. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I don't know if you've ever tried to like pick one of those things up. You can't just pick it up and rip it off. I mean, yeah, Billy no, Tybo yeah. would have trouble with that. Yeah. I mean, if it's that fragile, it ain't gonna cut nothing. So I, again, the ending feels so truncated because they're they've got a cool thing going on when Freddie is screwing with her and you know puts her in the dress again and all that eerie shit like that is messed up and good I'm like that you needed to do more of that that is the psychological horror of all of this that you've tried to set up but you don't want to do that you want to just blast through this ending and get to the happy ending and jump scare at the end and that's exactly what happens which is ridiculous I very <laughs> It's beyond ridiculous, and you're right. This this final scene could have been something much better than it was, but it was almost like, oh crap, we're getting close to the end of the film. We need to just wrap this up. Yeah, it does come like all of a sudden, right? You mm-hmm. feel that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we're at the end and cut. You know, all right, so Rooney here's says what we're she's gonna done. Do. You're gonna cut <laughs> yeah. the hand from the glove off. We're gonna be all good here, and then you're gonna slice his throat, and oh, it's gonna be but done. Don't- but don't forget, we got to reverse the bitch line because we've already had him do the bitch line. So we got to do the bitch line, and then she's got to do the "You're in my world now, bitch." It hurts, doesn't it, bitch? You know, and she, you know, I'm Rooney Mara is really like sinister and frightening in "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." Like I feel like she could kick my ass. Mm-hmm. Not here, not here. Not <laughs> art. Art student Nancy is not secretly doing Tybo on the side. Okay, <laughs> like that is that is the wrong thing. And that's the other thing too. Like at least with the other Nancy, we saw her like Ramboing up, right? right? Like she was she was setting stuff on fire and getting ready to get. This girl like has a meat cute in a car with a dude, burns herself with a cigarette lighter, and all of a sudden she's friggin' Red Sonya out there with this <laughs> you know paper cutter. And it it's such a it's a dumb looking death. It sounds so weird. And then to get that ending where Connie Britton gets it through the back of the head and the eyes, it's just such a cheap three D nothing jump scare. I just Yeah. I mean you I, know it's coming. Like like the minute she stops in front of that mirror, I'm like, Oh, he's coming out of the mirror. Boop, there he is. You know, and it's just it's so telegraphed. Yeah, I thought that was dumb too. But again, I think that what they were trying to do is set up for a sequel. That never came. <laughs> yeah. They, well, so. they wanted somewhere else to go because goodness knows they had painted themselves in so many corners they think they'd ever get out of again. Mm, I mean, yeah. Where is there to pick up after this, Brian? That's the thing. Like, well, where there, would you Where go? was there to pick up after the first Freddy Krueger in the first place? They found a way. Yeah. Uh, they could find a way here. I mean... Dream, do, dream demon. I mean, all he did was disappear, and then he may have not even disappeared at the end, right? Like, there's plenty of places to go there. With this one, I'm like, please let the school burn down, and that be the end of this. Well, like, and that's the thing. Like, this is how he should die: is that he should be forced to be burned to death again, right? Right. That should be the end all of Freddy Krueger, and we never really finally get that, and that no. is very disappointing to me because he's come back from every fucking thing that he's ever gone through, right? <laughs> The only uh, thing that would make it, sense for him to die permanently from would be to be burned uh, to death a second time. In all fairness, he didn't come back from the pipe bomb that Lisa Zane dropped on him in part six. That was the end. So Whatever. The, the, spermat, the spermatozoa flew away. So that was the end of that Freddy line. So, so disappointing. <laughs> well, but it's just like this one. It sets up a great idea, and then it totally flubs it. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's like Kiss Alive 3. Sounds like a good idea, but eh, not really. So. Yeah, that album sold pretty damn well. <laughs> yeah, that, you know what? This, mo- this movie made a lot loud, of money. I want to hear it loud song. Oh, my God. Did that yeah. get played over and over too much? Yes, it did. But you know what? This movie made a lot of money, too, and ain't nobody talking about it either except us. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good comparison, I think, because... <laughs> There's nowhere left to pick up. We, you know, we talked about it, Ron, and I did a little bit on the Friday the 13th remake, is that they left a place to go. Because if you a certain reading of that movie is that Jason wins and kills everybody. 
which is like, wow, that's we we've never seen that. That would have been a cool, and they never pick up from it, and they're not going to if and when they ever get around to doing that new Friday the Thirteenth and stuff. So I think it's been pushed back again. Um, of course. And they, I mean, they could have picked up with this one where they picked up with the last ones too. Freddie's still running around out there. It's a new set of people. Maybe Nancy comes back. Maybe not. Probably not Rooney Mara. Maybe Quentin. But you know, they 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 did what they felt like was a greatest hits of Freddie's stuff here, and just mashed it all together and tried to sell it. And, and it sold and tried for to a make weekend. it a little, little more sinister and a little yeah. more dark than they did before. Which is not a bad idea by the way no i think like, that's the way you should have gone right yeah no that that makes total sense to do that the problem is in the way it's executed right that's that's i think we're at the point now where it's time to get final thoughts recommendations and popcorn ratings so before we go any further what are yours for a nightmare on Elm street the 2010 remake well uh sadly um this is gonna have to be a small popcorn uh so much promise, Jay, like we've said, so much promise at the beginning that this was going to be awesome. I like the Freddy Krueger look, the the remake look. It looks much more like a, someone who got burned beyond recognition. Um, I like the idea of actually delving into the story behind Freddy Krueger being that child molester and the sinisterness of it. But after that first great act of all action, it just dies and it dies horribly. There's some good knowledge given to us in those scenes, but it just is you have to like beat a dead horse to get it out of it. <laughs> and to me, that ruins a lot of this movie. Uh, the potential that it had was huge, huge, and it just severely falls as a disappointment. So for me, it's a small popcorn. I'm going to join you in that small popcorn for almost all of the same reasons, and I'll just sum it up in saying that this had such potential, so many places that could have gone, and had some of the right inclinations, and then they just blew it. They blow the whole uh, Roman candle in the first act, and after the first 25 minutes, this movie is boring and tedious, and ultimately as useless as Freddy's Dead was uh, to the series. Like, you know, you and I are a little bit unique in the fact that we both more or less gave a pass to parts four and five. People hate those movies, especially part <laughs> five. Like nobody, I've never met anybody else except us that like part five. Most people will, you can kind of go back and forth on part four. Everybody loves three, but we, we kind of got into it. Cause at least there was something there. And it was kind of, it was fun to watch this at no time was fun to watch except for the first 25 minutes of it. And then after that, boom, gone. It, and for me, I'll be honest with you. When Katie Cassidy died, I was just kind of done. Like, you know, Kyle Gallner's fine as Quentin. Uh, he's, he plays a good strung-out guy. I don't know if he ever has been in his real life or not, but he apparently figured that part out really well. But everybody else in this movie either looks bored or is completely wasted and not used right. Um, and there's a reason that Samuel Bayer is great at music videos. And go check out his videography, people. You've seen a lot of his music videos. You like them. And he's made one film, this one, uh, because I don't think he – knows how to tell a long-form narrative i don't think he could put it together i imagine they probably got him cheap and the studio cobbled this thing together and it was just this mess in the end and in the end it's just not worth it so small popcorn for me real disappointed too because <clears throat> that's the difference in this one and the friday the 13th the friday the 13th remake ron and i both gave a medium to and said it's no worse than any of the middling sequels that jason's had it was fine i mean it when I first saw it, I hated that movie. All right. And then I've grown to kind of appreciate it for what it is. This movie has always disappointed me. And I, I do, I, I don't know why I need therapy to, because I keep going back, watching it, expecting it to get better. And it's never going to, I don't know why I keep doing that to myself. Torture. But I, I guess so, man. It's this show. It's just, it just makes us do that. It makes us go back to this stuff that it's I want to relive to those good. leprechauns. <laughs> I don't know that I can ever. Well, I'll take that back. I rewatched Leprechaun in Vegas recently because it was on somewhere, and I just sort of sat there and laughed. So, because it at least is fun. This movie's not fun at all. So, Leprechaun Origins now, you could not for all the gold and avarice, my friend. So, <laughs> no yeah, way. I bought that damn thing, too. I am sorry you own that. I hope at least it's digital. Because if it's a disc, you should be destroying it soon. Mm. But if it's digital, you could just delete it. Pretty so, sure it's digital. <laughs> yeah. So, either way, 
That wraps up the Nightmare on Elm Street. We got one more. We're kind of going back in time. We're just a little different. We always do these things in order, but we decided, eh, let's do the team up at the beginning, the last house on the left, which I don't know why I made you guys do that anymore. Me neither. Yeah, we did that. Well, it was Wes Craven and Sean Cunningham. We're coming back for their other team up, Freddy versus Jason, which is this huge, massive hit, but the question is, is it good? Does it work? And the ultimate question I have about it is, is this a Jason movie with Freddy in it, or is it a Freddy movie with Jason in it? We'll, we'll talk about that more next time. That's going to be a, a fun conversation, I think, uh, along the way. But I, uh, I'm i interested in hearing your thoughts on Freddy versus Jason, because it's been a few years since I watched it myself. As someone who's never seen any of the Friday the 13th, it should be interesting. <laughs> I will tell you now, you probably should watch like part four, and I think you kind of got everything you need to know. So, um, or just listen to our reviews of them, either way. Duly so, noted. So, that, that will be there for you either way. But that one's coming up, of course, and then uh, we're, uh, we'll be done with the biggest Shocktober we've ever done, Brian. The Dueling Series, if you will. I really can't believe we've actually made it past all of this. <laughs> so, we did it. But, yeah, so, somehow we've gotten uh, through all of this. But either way, um, it's been enjoyable to talk about with you if the film wasn't all that good uh, that we got to uh, to meander over this time. So, folks, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Filmstrip. You can find all of our back catalog on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. And you can go and find links to our social media there. Leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. We really appreciate the support. Until next time, for Brian, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip.